to CBC and um, you've got a guide in front of you there, new members class guide. And I think, yeah, you've got the uh, table of contents at the beginning there. So if you were to flip open to that, you'll see that um, really we start with kind of philosophy. Before we jump into that even, I want to uh, give you guys to introduce yourself. But we'll start with just why we make it, why do we have a new members orientation class? You know, why is this such a big deal? And then... Um, I've reordered things a little bit, and we haven't changed the book to follow, but we're going to place the getting to know you section toward the end under the connecting with CBC. So it's really just one page. We'll skip over that for today. And then start the getting to know uh, CBC section. So there's kind of the lay of the land. But before we do that, you all may not know each other, so let's go around and uh, just say who you are. And if you'd like to say anything about what brought you to CBC, feel free. Don't feel like you need to say much you can just say your name and that's it if you'd like but uh i'll start off i'm larry castle my wife julie and i have been here since 2001 we came from a, a local sister church uh, met ken and heard what he was doing wanted to learn about church planning i was going through seminary at the time and um met ken and heard his philosophy and what he intended to do with the new church plant and was very eager to learn from them. So we kind of signed in to help for a couple years, and we've, we've loved serving here. And uh, they can't get rid of us now, so we're around for the long haul. So that's that's us. And then let's start over here, and we'll work our way over. My name is Eula. Um, I started visiting um, in May of 2015, um, really because Deja had decided to join and I was curious as to why she wanted to join this church instead of joining me at my church. So I had to come and see why she was coming here. But uh, I understood almost immediately why. Um, the word, Pastor Ken, um, teaches strictly um, biblical principles and precepts, and is and not only evident in um, what the service are about but how we interact with each other outside of um, the auditorium. So that's what made me uh, want to join. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. My name is Diane Boyer. Um, I came here uh, the first time uh, two years ago, 2014, at the Christmas tea for the women. And um, I was very impressed, not just by the tables and how pretty they were and stuff, but how everybody was so kind and nice and didn't even know me and kept asking, who are you? And, you know, or do you come here? And blah, blah, blah. It was just kind of nice. So um, after a while, Sharon um, 
Seal and Sally Meadows, they asked me to come. And I was teaching at another church at the time, uh, little children. So I had to wait until September uh, when the classes changed because I didn't want to mess up their, their program. And when I did come, I fell in love with the word even deeper. And uh, it's, it's truly because of Pastor Kim and Bill Holmes. And uh, little by little, I'm getting to know you guys. And uh, I, I hope I'm a plus to you instead of a detriment. <laughs> Diane, we're glad you're here. Thanks. I'm Jake McNabb. Uh, I started school in November. Um, about four years ago, I tried to visit. I went to the wrong Summit Academy. Oh, no. And so then after that, I was like, well, we just keep going back. Yeah. So I uh, I love the atmosphere, the love of the people in the church, how calming they are, and making me feel at home here. And having a pastor that teaches the word, knowing that he walks it, it's very mm. confident. This is the place for you. I'm glad you're here too, Jake. All right. Who wants to go first at the uh, theater in the room here? <laughs> uh, what's going on? I'm Travis Mott. And I've been here. From, from almost the beginning, huh? Yeah. I, yeah, I was little. I don't remember. Well, I got pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was little, so uh, I don't really remember. I think it's just since it started, so whatever that was. Yeah, 2001, yeah. 12-something years. Yeah. That's it. Great. Um, Clay Weaver, I've been going here for five or six years. I was pretty little. I was in my class. And uh, I can't remember when I was 18.
fill it home down river. I think that's a good thing. Not everybody does. <laughs> All right. You just assumed she was already here, but she was new too. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm Michael. Uh, I moved down here about two years ago. Um, I lived in the Cold area. Now I was going to the next church there. Got the opportunity for me to get a job down at this end of the state, and uh, I took it when the opportunity came up. Uh, one of the first things I knew I needed to do was I needed to find a good church to be at least plugged in to a certain uh, to a little bit, just so that I had someone to be accountable. Mm-hmm. My walk with God and going to another church, sat down for three minutes, and like I say, what the name of church was. And I just did not, it, after being in there for an hour, it wasn't the right time to be here. That's a suggestion of my grandparents and my cousin, who my cousin is attending here usually. And after a few weeks of sitting down with some pastor can preach, I was just very impressed with That's good. Um, for those of us who have been around here for a while, uh, it is it's exciting to hear those same kind of comments that I've heard over the years. That while I came here and people were so friendly and people showed genuine interest in me, and so I thought this is the kind of community of believers I want to be a part of, uh, because uh, we've grown significantly over the last fifteen-ish years. And we're, you know, it's easy for those of us who were here when there was 20 people to feel like overwhelmed. There are people I come every week and there's people I don't, I don't know who they are and I need to, you know, spend time meeting, learning names. And it's a lot more complicated having relationships with this more many people than it used to be. And it would be easy to kind of, for us to all be kind of isolated and to, to maybe become like some of the things you guys have commented on where it's a little more cold. People don't know each other as well. Um, that's a that's an easy thing for for a church a church to have happen, and so uh, it's gratifying one to hear you all talk about that. That's still true here, and uh, I think it's instructive for us, especially those of you who are our newest members, to be mindful of that. That you're on that team now, and when folks come in, you're a part of that atmosphere that will welcome them. So uh, perpetuate that thing that drew you here that the Lord used. That's good. Well, the uh, what's that? Oh, sorry. Do you would you like to add to my introduction of you?
Yeah. Yes, I have tons of pictures. If you're, if you want to see afterwards. Eighteen. Yes. There. Oh, all right. Thank. Pay you for that later. There. Yeah. That's it. The behavior contributes to your perception. Uh, there was, in fact, in the program. Uh, this morning there was an invite to an open house. That's our oldest daughter, Emma. Got a little uh, picture in there. So yeah, three girls, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade right now. It'll be just like your, th- your uh, third grade lunch. Yep. Well, uh, this, this class is designed, thank you all for taking the time to introduce yourselves and uh, let us know a little more about you. Um, This class is designed to help you get a little better look um, beyond just what you've learned by interacting with the people uh, since you've been here. And you have, you know, you've gone through uh, some instruction in expressing the desire to be a member and learning what membership is about. So you've learned a little bit about what CBC uh, holds as its philosophy of ministry and such. But we want to take some time over the next couple of weeks to let you know in some detail about um, how we as a church strive to operate, uh, how practically we want to function and, and where from God's word we get that template, you know, how we see from God's word the model of how a church should operate. And then in, into some of the what might be thought of as mundane details like how do we handle finance at the church? How do we handle practical things like security? And we've got all kinds of children's ministries going on throughout the building. And, uh, you know, if any of you, if you don't have children now or if you have children in the future or any little ones coming related to you, so you can have a level of comfort knowing that we've thought through um the responsibility it is to take on a ministry serving families with little ones. So things like that. So next week we'll actually have um, two guest instructors in here, uh, Wayne Albright, who leads our security team, and then uh, Billy, who is our treasurer. They'll come in and they'll talk about um, some of the philosophy and practical um, workings of our, our finances at CBC and our security. And then the week after that we'll talk in some detail about how we apply some of the things we're going to talk about today when it comes to membership being engaged and serving. And uh, and the last week is extremely practical. We'll actually go through and help you to complete your profile for, uh, we call it a, a get fit profile where what are your aptitudes what are the areas you're interested in serving in and how can you keep that up to date in our church um, members section of the website the uh, my cbc section so the last week is very very practical but we'll start off with uh, a little more theory philosophy why is it that we operate the way we do and so on page one there if you take a look you'll see there a section talking about the priority of the church And obviously, you guys have taken the time to go through joining, becoming members, so you've got some grasp of the priority of the church in what God's doing in his world. Um, But I just want to emphasize that the church is central 
to what God's doing in his world. And uh, that's worth pausing to emphasize, particular, particularly in our culture uh, today where we live in a country that, uh, by God's grace, has been given a great amount of freedom. Uh, people are able to practice their, their religious beliefs in, uh, without fear of persecution. And so you have all kinds of, you know, there's no state or large organization saying, all right, if you're Christian, you've got to do it this way. But um, because of that, we have all kinds of models of ministry that are available uh, if you were to just look across the spectrum in our culture. Um, some things that are extremely helpful and, and very good uh, as far as they go that we would refer to as parachurch ministries. Things uh, Para is actually a, a prefix that means alongside of or beside. And uh, we call certain things parachurch ministries because they come alongside of what the church is doing and supplement and help. So you have things that uh, ministries that focus on college campuses and reaching college students. You have ministries that focus on helping people who are disadvantaged in one way or another and uh, doing all kinds of good things. Um, but because of all of those uh, good things happening in our culture that uh, believers may be engaged in, um, it could be easy to lose focus of the centrality of the church. And so I just want to pause for a moment and direct your attention to, to the, the emphasis that God's word gives to the church, to what he's doing in his world. If you look at uh, some of the passages that are listed there, um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, probably a familiar passage to you, maybe not, says uh, that God's, it's referring to Paul's telling a young uh, pastor, um, about God's household, and he refers to that, uh, God's household, which is the church of the living God. And then he calls it the pillar and foundation of the truth. So he refers to the church with a couple descriptors there, uh, the family of God, uh, God's household. And that's, that's, uh, you'll see that actually reflected in our church's logo. If you look at the, the slogan, as it were, underneath our logo, it's the family of God built on the word of God to the glory of God. And, uh, this is the concept we're referring to there. We are the church universal, meaning, uh, all believers everywhere is the household of God. But in particular, when he's instructing this young pastor, he's talking about the local gathering. The local body uh, that's a part of that larger church. And he says it's the household of God, and then he refers to it as the pillar and foundation of the truth. Anybody have any uh, ideas what he's talking about there when he says it's the pillar and foundation of the truth? Well, a pillar holds things up. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that we are supposed to hold up and honor the truth of God to others. Yeah. yeah, no, it's good. It's kind of an architectural reference. He's talking about, you know, the pillar, kind of the, the primary structure holding up a, or the primary object holding up a structure, and the foundation, the thing that it's all built on. And um, the idea here is that the church has received the deposit of the truth, God's word. We have uh, in, in the Bibles that you've got, some of you have it on your phone, some of you have it in a printed copy in front of you. But the church has been entrusted with God's word. So we've got uh, these writings from the Old Testament writings that were cared for by the Jewish scribes through the letters that were circulated through the early church from the apostles. 
um, you know, the the truth that's collected together and is kind of we're the custodians. The church is the custodian of the truth, and uh, it's significant that the Bible places this responsibility on the church. Not on, and they didn't have this back then, but not on a TV ministry or a radio ministry. Not on um, somebody's blog that may be extremely helpful. Uh, but but on the church, not on any exterior organization to the church. So as helpful as uh, many of the parachurch organizations that are out there may be, uh, the responsibility for guarding and proclaiming the truth falls to the church. And uh, that alone places the church uh, very central to what God's doing in his world because uh, God is um, in the business of seeking out worshipers. He's, re- he's reclaiming uh, fallen creation beginning with uh, all of us. And uh, that starts with, as we read in the New Testament, uh, the proclamation of the truth and that truth being received and that whole process from Romans chapter 8. You know, how can they believe if they've not heard? And so we, uh, we are given the responsibility as the church with caring for proclaiming the truth. And uh, that, that puts the church smack dab in the middle of what God's doing in his world. When Jesus talks about the church in Matthew chapter 16, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. He's talking about um, what his program is, that he's come to um, fulfill the law, as he talked about. He's come to then begin this thing called the church. And this is the program that God is using uh, to to bring about the change in the world beginning in our hearts, um, to be redeeming the creation and, uh, and, and those image bearers that he's created. And then Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, we read that, Uh, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I did a study recently with the teenagers where we were looking at kind of the the key um, purposes or key activities that the Bible describes the church as having. And uh, one of the things that came up again and again as we looked at whether it be talking about um, evangelism or fellowship or service or any of these key purposes, these themes you see surfacing in the New Testament that the church is to be engaged in, was a reference back to God's plan from eternity, that that God has carefully designed things uh, that they function like the New Testament's now presenting them, and that His intent from from all of eternity past was to show that to show through the church His His multifaceted wisdom uh, in this plan that He's carrying out, and the church is the centerpiece. And so it's uh, it's easy to think of the church as one more item in the life of a Christian, particularly if, if you've um, you know, become a believer and not been around a church with the kind of teaching you guys have all commented happens here, where you've got a, a pastor who's expositing the scriptures week after week. He's, he's showing you what the meaning is there, not just telling cute stories and, uh, you know, giving us memorable anecdotes. He's really digging out 
What's the meaning of this passage and how does it apply to our lives? He's very careful and meticulous about that. If you if you were not in a place where you were getting that regularly, it might be easy to think of your Christian life as just something that's just personal. It's just between you and God. And uh, while Christianity is um, incredibly personal because God sent his son uh, to die for your sins, to die for my sins. It's a very personal thing that God has rescued me personally. But in rescuing me, he has, he has called me out of the world. And I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the Greek word in the New Testament used to, to refer to the church. The word is ekklesia. That actually literally means called out ones, those who are called out. And so the church is a community of people that God's called out of the world. He's rescued us. And um, that we are not just, I'm not just saved uh, from the penalty of my sin and being being spared, rescued from its power, but uh, on an individual level, but I'm called out with all of you. I'm called into this community of believers because Christianity um, is is very um, uh, is very what's the word I'm looking for it's extremely relational it's extremely relational God has called us out of the world into his family and so the church is that group and it's central to what God's doing and so you see in the last paragraph there um, these passages and many others emphasize to us that the church is central in God's plan Christianity is not meant to be individualistic. Um, when you became a Christian, you became a part of a community of believers. And uh, because God, in his word, emphasizes the priority of the church, it needs to be an important priority to us. And so that's that's why we spend the time talking about it in our new members class. And uh, so I encourage you to take that approach when it comes to church. And uh, I'm one of the things that was cool about when we first formed community was we didn't have a building that was our permanent meeting place. And so it was a constant reminder that the church was the people because we met in Brownstown Middle School, we met in Patrick Henry, we met in Woodhaven High School, we met in Summit Academy, we met in all these different places, and many times in the same week we'd meet in multiple places. And it was constantly reminding us that the church is the people. And uh, it's it's easy to think um, in a place like now where we've got a permanent meeting place to talk about going to church and we're talking about going to the ministry center, to a building. Uh, but no, we are the church and um, I encourage you to think about your involvement in church that way, that it's being connected to these people around you and that it's not some little compartment in my life that I just do on Sundays because it'll make the rest of my life better and enhance, you know, the things that I'm doing off for my own purposes. But church is, this is what God's called us out for. He's called us out to uh, serve him in this community, replicating ourselves, the Great Commission. And so uh, so that's what I'm going to continue to encourage and we'll move to uh, very practical ways to encourage you to do that as we close, come to the close of our new members four weeks together. So like I was saying before, we I've kind of taken page two, which is your next page, and we're going to go over that toward the end when we get to the uh, to the Connecting with CBC section. So skip over page two for now, and let's take a look at page three. 
And I just want to um, go over a couple of key areas that um, are important for you to understand about how we operate at CBC. The first is that we prioritize uh, the importance of leadership development at CBC. Um, the, the church, as you read in the New Testament, is structured such that um, the congregation, the, the members, are carrying out the work of the ministry. And God has uh, given two church offices to help organize and equip uh, the church for doing the work of the ministry. And so in our New Testament, we see uh, two um, two church offices, and um, you'll read about those in First Peter. In fact, if you take take your Bible and turn to First Peter, I want to reference really quickly these just to help you understand, because you may um, you may hear people refer to different titles for one of the one of the offices in the church. The two offices, by the way, are pastor and deacon. And uh, the office of pastor, sometimes you will hear referred to in different ways, and these, there are different words the New Testament uses uh, to describe those offices. So if you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, in verses 1 and 2, you read there Peter writing to the, the leadership of the church. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. So in this passage, he makes a couple references to some of the titles, actually. You'll see there on, on the page we say that a pastor might also be referred to as an overseer or an elder. Um, sometimes, actually, in the New Testament, You'll hear them referred to as a bishop. Um, in this passage, Peter talks about the elders. This is kind of a very Jewish uh, uh, way to refer to the leadership in the body. And, uh, you know, in, in the um, uh, Jewish religion, you would have reference made to the elders of a city that would sit and discuss the matters that needed to be decided for a city or um, participate in leadership of the people. And so he refers here to the leaders as elders and calls himself a fellow elder. And then he talks about, he gives them an activity, says be shepherds. That's actually the word that we often will translate as pastor. So he's, he's talking about one of the activities they do is acting as a pastor, a sh- like a shepherd with sheep, somebody who is caring for the well-being of. Um, he's telling them here to, to care for the well-being of the flock that's under your care. And then he uses another word that we use in the, in the uh, notebook there, overseer. He says, as, uh, as you're watching over them, do this. So it's somebody who has oversight, who is uh, looking... Um, uh, at the at the congregation, giving direction, uh, and so on. And if you look at, uh, you might want to jot down another reference uh, here. Acts chapter twenty. You know, I'm I'm uh, saying these words are all synonyms here. If you look at Acts chapter twenty, it's actually a little easier even to see how these words are used interchangeably in the New Testament in the New Testament itself. So Acts chapter twenty. And uh, start off by looking at verse 17. Luke writes there that uh, from Miletus, 
Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So same term there again. He's calling for the elders, the leadership of the church. And he says, uh, when they arrived, this is what he said to them. You know how I lived among you. And he, he goes on and he speaks to them and he, he starts giving some uh, first testimony by example. But then if you look down to verse 28 in his comments as he continues talking to these leaders, these elders, he says, keep watch over yourselves in all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So there's that title, overseers. Uh, be shepherds, there's the term pastor again. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And uh, so you can see him using these terms interchangeably. The idea is a pastor is an overseer, is an elder, <clears throat> and then in other places they'll refer to them as, as bishops as well. And you'll see him use the same term, bishop or pastor or bishop or elder, interchangeably. And uh, this passage in Acts chapter 20 is just kind of central because he uses all of them together. And then when you see them used in other places with just one or two of them, you know he's talking about the same thing. So the office of pastor is uh, is given qualifications in your New Testament. If you were to look in 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus 1 there, you see a list of qualifications. And they speak to two areas. They speak to um, a pastor's aptitude, his abilities. Uh, it says things like must be able to teach. And then it also speaks to his character, talks about the kind of man that is qualified to be a pastor. Um, and incidentally, I said that just in passing, but it talks about the kind of man. It really does talk about this being a role designated for male leaders in the church. Uh, it gives a requirement, for example, of being uh, a one-woman man, being the husband of one wife. So uh, the, the qualifications in the New Testament for pastor are very clear. And uh, the New Testament talks about... Um, the process of somebody becoming an elder involving uh, God working in that person so that they would desire this office. And that's what you see uh, there in the notebook under the bullet point for pastors. Those who desire the office of pastor seek a noble thing. Um, when I was a young man and I had uh, interest in pastoral ministry, that was kind of, I would hear people talk about being called to be a pastor. And I didn't often understand, often I wouldn't understand exactly what they meant by that. I thought, am I Am I supposed to have a dream or something if I to know that I'm going to be a, supposed to be a pastor? Or, and the more I looked into it and asked um, men who were pastors to explain to me how you know how do you know God would want you to be a pastor? And they they several of them pointed me to this passage uh, in First Timothy chapter three that if anyone desires the office of a bishop, it says he desires a noble thing or a good thing. That it begins with God working in you to want this, but but that's not. That alone is not enough. I can't appoint myself as a pastor. Uh, that's something that the church does. And uh, the Bible says that it's the responsibility of the church to uh, identify those who would be their leaders and uh, to test them by their qualifications and their character and then their abilities. And so pastors here at CBC are not something that 
Um, you know, our, uh, someone who's our exist- existing pastor can't just hire. Like Pastor Brown can hire staff. We've uh, we've had a couple hires recently. But taking on a new pastor is something that's of a different level. And so uh, if you were at the family meeting recently, you heard Pastor talk about that. Uh, that's something we have in view for me in the not-too-distant future. That's something I'm interested in. The Lord has given me that desire. And then, so it's something we're pursuing. Um, but while I, in July, our plan is for us to come on staff part-time and be working as a member of the staff, I won't at that point yet be a pastor because that's something that the church has to ordain a man to do. So we will we will uh, carry on. I was going to say begin, but we've kind of been doing over the years. We'll carry on the process of the church evaluating uh, me, my family, to see whether they uh, agree that we are qualified to, to lead in the church. And then um, at a point in time, probably in the not-too-distant future, we'll have, uh, we'll have a council where the representatives of the church get together and um, test my doctrinal qualifications to make sure that I believe and teach sound doctrine. Uh, you guys have had, in my case, probably an unusually long amount of time because I've been here teaching for a very long time, so there's a lot of context for that. But have to evaluate that. And then the church will be asked to vote to approve ordaining me. And so if the church approves that, then at that point, I would, I'd be ordained. So that's how pastoral leadership is um, carried out at CBC, and, and that's what we believe according to the, the biblical model. Um, deacons also, likewise, are given. Yes, sir? I saw that there's a term limit for deacons. Yes. Is there a term limit for pastors? There's not. Uh, and the term limit for deacons is just a practical matter. The Bible doesn't give any term limit or anything like that. Uh, it's designed so that guys can serve and then um, get a break. And the model is in most churches I've been at is guys will serve, take a year, you know, serve for two or three years, whatever a deacon's term is, according to the church's bylaws, and then um, take a break off for maybe a year and then be eligible again if there's still a need. Um, and then the other reason for that is because, you know, in a congregation our size, we have, I think we have six deacons now. Um, Lord willing, we'll have more men than that who are qualified, and we want to give them experience at leading. And so if it's always just the same six people, um, there's not an opportunity then to be developing the new leaders. Uh, we want the, the leadership bench to be deep, as deep as possible. And so, yes, ma'am. Ones that take on that position and then they do it again consecutively? Or in yes. Church, in this church, yes. We have a couple guys who have rotated off and not rotated on yet, and then we've had several who have not rotated off. Uh, part of the part of the reasoning for that is just making sure that we've got uh, folks who are qualified. There have been some who I think probably could use a, a break. We've been all been at this for a good long while, um, but making sure we've prepared men to step into their place. And uh, so, a couple of our guys who were eligible for a break graciously agreed to stay on and were re- re-nominated uh, to do it um, while we prepared other guys to step up and rotate it in their place. I realized that I uh, took too long at the beginning now, and so I'm in the middle of it here and haven't gotten to the end. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mark my place here, um, and we're gonna skip out of order next week. We'll have our two uh, guest 
instructors come in. Wayne will, actually Billy will get us started next week. I'll probably come in for the beginning of the class and get it rolling, and then we'll have Billy and then Wayne. And I've we've got a uh, promotion Sunday event going on in the auditorium during class next next week, second hour. So I'll be stepping out to participate in that. Um, but next week we'll pick up with talking about the Office of Deacon. And you guys, I could tell several of you had s- some more questions. We'll have time then to get into those questions. And then uh, I want to be able to talk a little bit uh, at the beginning of next week as well about um, the program we have in place to help prepare men to be ready to do that leader leadership and then talk a little bit about what we've go, got going on with our outreach and missions as well. So thank you guys for making this a priority and being here today. Let's uh, close our class with a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for this chance to stop and focus on your priority of the church and to focus our thinking on how we can be intentional and effectively engaged in uh, carrying out the mission you've given us. We pray that uh, you'll help these next several weeks to be profitable. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.